Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Hello, hello. It's another Friday. We are really excited to be with you today. And for those of you who are in the stormy northwest, northeast, we apologize for the gorgeous weather down here in Florida. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for anything. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. You know, I just want to, um, I want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, the MagnusWorks.com Resilience and Wellbeing app, where we're also featured, and National Command and Staff College, where Matthew and I are working diligently to bring all of law enforcement and the military our coaching certification program, which launches in March. You can find more details about that at our host page. In the meantime, Matthew, how are you doing? Doing good. I mean, just enjoying this beautiful weather. Um, but just got back from traveling to New Orleans, had a great week out there with the uh, Sheriff's Department. And uh, happy Groundhog Day to everybody. We're, uh, we're excited to see what uh, old Phil has to, has to share with us. tawny Phil. <laughs> you know, I have a brother named Phil, and when he was little, People would say Puxatawney Phil, and he'd have a meltdown. My name is Puxatawney <laughs> Phil. I have to remember that. <laughs> don't don't do that at a family <laughs> gathering. He will lose his mind. <laughs> All right, guys, we are uh, and gals. Uh, we have an exciting show for you today, and you know it's a small world um, for to the spear warriors. Uh, at some point. They meet each other, and for those of you who don't know my background, let me remind you that I am a behavioral scientist and have been working with special forces and special operations for a long time, um, wound up melting into public safety and law enforcement, and have enjoyed every minute of it. But our guest today, uh, like the man sitting next to me, is an amazing human being. John McCaskill is a retired Navy SEAL commander turned consultant and mindfulness and meditation teacher. He was born in South Africa, but he grew up in Louisiana. We'll talk more about that since we just came back from NOLA. After graduating high school, he served briefly as an enlisted sailor in the U.S. Navy before receiving an appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy and graduating from there with a B.S. in mathematics four years later. John served in Iraq, Afghanistan, off the coast of Somalia, and in Panama. And after retiring, he served briefly as the Deputy Executive Director for the veteran nonprofit Veterans Path, P-A-T-H. He now runs a podcast, which I love, called Men Talking Mindfulness. Can't get enough of it. He does keynote speaking engagements on developing leadership, grit, and resilience, and owns his own consulting company, Frogman Mindfulness. In all these roles, his desire is to improve cultures and individuals through mindfulness, meditation, vulnerability, and compassion. 
We are so excited to have you with us today, John. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Kathy and Matthew, it's, uh, it's really exciting to be here with you all. Matthew, it's so wild to reconnect in this way. So looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely, Johnny. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we'd like to kick off the show just kind of sharing, uh, you know, how did you get into your your career uh, so many decades ago? Um, you know, now that we're both long in the tooth and we got a lot of things to reflect on, and I'm excited to hear about your mind journey as well. Um, but yeah, how did you, you know, how did you grow up? Who was the most impact on you to get into the teams? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that reflection piece because I think if you had asked me this question even five years ago, my answer would be completely different. So I'm going to be very raw and, uh, authentic with you guys this morning. So um, I, I grew up in Louisiana, as you mentioned. Uh, I was a, a, an athlete, played football, played baseball, basketball, and then found my true calling with running. I was a track and cross-country runner, and, uh, and my coach was like a second father to me. Um, he was hugely impactful on who I was then and, and quite frankly, who I am today. Uh, along with my, my parents, but outside of my, my family, he had the, the most influence on me. And then the team itself as well, being a part of a team, that's what I loved. I loved being a part of a team. And when I started to look towards what, was, what I was going to do after graduation from high school, I wanted to continue to be part of a team, and I wanted to serve in in the military so that I could serve my country, right? Um, <clears throat> looking back, uh, I think that I, I also felt a need for validation, a need to be seen as someone special. And in my eyes, to be seen as someone special, I had to do something special. And to do something special, I had to do something incredibly difficult. So going into the Navy and then specifically into Naval Special Warfare, that was what I knew to be one of the most difficult things in, in the world at the time. Um, so, again, this is what I'm now reflecting as. And, uh, and going and doing something special, it did. It made me feel special. I, I was then seen by, by everyone. I felt validated. Um, now, uh, I don't know if I would do it all over again. It was a fantastic job. I enjoyed the, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, um, and that was fantastic. But if I, if I went back and I could see validation in who I am as a human being instead of what I did, then I'm not sure that I would do everything that I did again. Um, Knowing what I did and what, what came from it, the amazing people that I got to work with, you're, you included, Matthew, um, and, and you know the, the other brothers and sisters that we got to work with, absolutely, I would do it again. But if I was uh, a 19-year-old kid and I wasn't looking for that validation, I'm not sure. So uh, I know that's a long and kind of touchy-feely answer to, to the question, but hopefully that, that sums it up. No, I, that was that was great. I tell you, um, you know, a couple things that stood out to me, um, and it's I always love this part of the uh, podcast because 
it's interesting just from each individual's uh, experience. Um, and some of them are eye-opening that you never expect on, especially with law enforcement. How did, you know, these, these professionals that are, uh, you know, spent a career in law enforcement or military, how did they get into it? And it's always mm-hmm. cool. A couple of things that stood out to me is your coach, the influence of your coach being in sports. And uh, one thing I rarely share, uh, and it's, you know, when we talk about reflection being, you know, retired now, getting into this next chapter, is that <clears throat> I'll never forget it. It's a stamp in my brain. But my high school football coach said, Matt, you ain't got a lick of talent, but you got the heart of a lion. And, you know, <laughs> looking at it through everything that I've gotten through, when people ask me, you know, how, how, how did you do that? And I'm just like, I, I honestly, I can't really, you know, tell you. Um, in fact, I feel like if I can do it, anybody can do it. So it takes a lot of reflection on what actually are the attributes. What was the mentorship, you know, from your coach, from my coach, uh, but also just that vision to be something special. And another thing that stamped in my head, too, my mother, uh, growing up, this is many moons ago, she said, I don't know what the hell you're going to be, but you're going to be something special. And I had no idea what that means. I still don't know what that means uh, <laughs> as far as what God wants to, you know, me to become. But, you know, it's planting the seeds and just being able to be, be uh, uh, happy and, and proud of what uh, I've been able to accomplish, just as well as you, my man. So, John, um, we love Warrior Wisdom um, on this show. And one of the things... Um, that I I heard recently, I'm not sure if it came from you or not, but it is, we have to create our own masterpiece through mastering inner peace. Can you talk a little bit about how you find um, your your days now working in such, you know, a a multi-layered, exciting context? How does this mindfulness meet your needs and how did you get into mindfulness yeah well it's, this is going to take up a good portion of the podcast um but <laughs> um uh, go yeah, for so, it that's yeah, awesome yeah <laughs> i find that it's always great to bring a host or rather a guest on that can just talk uh so i don't have to ask too many questions on my show so hopefully i'll be doing you guys a favor here but um, it really uh, goes back to 2005. In, in June of 2005, I was connected to an operation that went horribly sideways, and we lost a lot of guys. And uh, I, I ironically was not on the battlefield for this operation. I was actually in the Joint Operations Center taking phone calls, listening to the radio, monitoring all the traffic on the computers. And, and when people hear that that's what I was doing, and then I, I tell them that I was involved in an operation that affected me mentally, they're like, well, how did that affect you? Because you, you weren't there. Well, that's why it affected me is because I wasn't there on the battlefield when I, I lost some good friends, uh, you know, guys that, that I've known for a long time, guys that I knew their families, uh, knew their children, wives, and because I was not there on the battlefield, I actually felt this tremendous amount of survivor's guilt and imposter syndrome, um, moral injury that affected me for, for quite some time. And I ended up um, addressing it 
kind of hidden by um, taking prescription medication, uh, abusing prescription medication. Prescription medication is, is great if, if it's treated with respect, but I abused it. And then I abused alcohol and it caused me to go into a really downward spiral. It had numbed the pain and that's what I was wanting it to do, but it also numbed any sense of fulfillment or joy or drive. And uh, I just felt like an empty shell of who I had been before. And I got to a pretty dark spot in my life and considered some very dark options and luckily was introduced to a counselor who sat across the table from me and, and had the, the guts to say, hey, why don't you try this mindfulness and meditation stuff? And, and I laughed at him initially. I was like, man, this hippie, dippy meditation stuff, that's not for me. I'm a, I'm a high-performing special operator. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, he kind of switched gears on me and started to tell me that it could improve my performance. And once you tell a special operator that they can do something that's going to improve their performance, and Matthew can attest to this, then obviously they, they look for it. They're like, yeah, absolutely. Give me that. Whatever it is, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. Well, you know, it wasn't the pill. It was, it was meditation. It was meditation and mindfulness. And so I, I started getting into it. And long story short, after about two or three months, I started to feel a difference in how I was walking through life and how I was seeing life, how I was presenting myself. And, uh, and I attribute mindfulness and meditation to not only changing my life for the better, but quite literally saving my life. And so now I feel, uh, you know, when I started to get out of the Navy, I got out in August of 2020, um, that this was my new calling. It was not just a calling, but a, a duty and an obligation to pay it forward and share what I consider to be life-saving practices with anyone and everyone who will listen. And, and what it has done for me in my life, kind of the piece that is given, coming back to your masterpiece question, it has given me a, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of peace, and I feel that I'm a much, much better uh, husband, a much better father, much better friend, brother, son, um, colleague, uh, and just better in general. And I think it's, uh, again, life-changing and, and life-saving. You know, John, that's a very, very powerful conversation for us to continue with. And, uh, you know, I'm of the strong belief, uh, as is my colleague, uh, Benet Brown, that vulnerability is at the root of true courage, uh, true bravery. And uh, we cannot wait to hear more. We're going to take a quick break. Please don't go away. You're listening to Strategies for a turbulent time. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes, 
to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X, dot com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Uh, happy Groundhog Day, everybody. We have an amazing guest with us um, retired Navy SEAL Commander John McCaskill. Uh, John and I, we served uh, a short period of time together, but uh, knowing his history is what's most uh, impressive to me on how he's overcome and adapted, but also what he's doing today, uh, planting the seeds to uh, not only just the community of Naval Special Warfare and Special Operations Special Forces, but also just to society on the all-importance of mindfulness and yeah, John, before we uh, went to the break, you were sharing, um, you know, how you came into it. And, uh, yes, thank you so much. Um, you got anything, Kat? No, I just want John to take it away. And I-, I want you to tell us a little bit, you know, I have a lot of I wants. You know the Jewish American Princess <laughs> Prayer? Buy me, take me, bring me, I need, I want, I have to have. <laughs> <laughs> I teach that true. too. I teach that to all of our children the minute they can speak. Oh, that's true. Uh, so so I, I, I want, I would like, um, you know, it's so funny. Uh, we're, we're real good friends with Doc Shauna Springer, and, and you know, she and I laugh about my Doc. ability to be articulate. And I tell her, but you have such an ability to be compassionate. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. Should I be compassionate? <laughs> once and wanting, you know. Um, So I would love to hear about this exciting journey you're on. You're now doing keynotes. I watched one. It was really cool. I love the way you walk around the audience and you engage people. And now um, you are working with a super organization called Calm. So connect the dots a little bit for me. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still a little bit in awe. I went to uh, an event here. So I live in Colorado Springs, and, and you guys are talking about the, the weather where you are. Uh, it, it's blue skies here, but it's going to change here shortly, and we're going to get dumped on. But um, anyway, on, let's see, what day is it? Friday. Uh, so two days ago on Wednesday, Calm had a big event in Denver. And, uh, you know, they, they've, they've hired me on, and they brought me up to this event, and it was just out of control. It was just uh, – huge and everybody is talking about mindfulness and meditation and you know it's, it's just a different space that I'm used to walking into with so many people talking about mindfulness and meditation in a positive way because uh, quite often when I walk into a room with that many people it's me having to change their minds and open up their eyes and open up their hearts to these practices so um, let me let me kind of backtrack as far as how I got introduced to calm so I've I've run two podcasts in my in my past. Um, the one that I'm doing now, Men Talking Mindfulness, that I do with my co-host who's in New York City, um, and then I ran the Veterans Path podcast. You mentioned Veterans Path at the beginning. It was a it was a nonprofit uh, that has since dissolved, uh, but the nonprofit, in addition to what they did with introducing veterans to mindfulness and meditation, one of the avenues to introduce them to mindfulness and meditation was through a podcast and I was the host for that and I, I had this wonderful woman on who was a, a mindfulness and meditation and yoga teacher named Melissa and um, you know we, we had a great talk and then you know after the podcast like so often happens you kind of go about your business and um, you, you do your thing and uh, a couple of months ago Melissa reached out to me and she's like hey just so you know I'm, I'm, I'm working for calm now and I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Um, and, and for your listeners who may not be familiar with Calm, I mean, it's a very popular meditation app uh, that the company has just exploded. And, and I, you know, I think that has a lot to do with the need of what Calm offers. And that uh, offers ways to do just what the name of the company does is to calm yourself down, which so many of us are in need of. But, um, you know, I was just in awe that Melissa was now working for this behemoth of a company. And uh, she was like, well, I'm, I'm actually contacting you to find out if you'd be interested in, in working for us. And I was like, in, in what capacity could I work for Calm? And she said, well, you could create content. You could help consult on our content that's already there. And then, and then you could be a keynote speaker for us, which I didn't even know Calm does. Um, so, of course, I, I jumped at that. And, uh, and now that's one of the, the things that I do in, in uh in my profession is sharing mindfulness and meditation through, through the Calm app. So one of the things that uh, I am very impressed with is your ability to embrace the mindfulness necessary for meditation. You know, the area where uh, Matt and I spend 90% of our time is in the world of foundations of emotional intelligence. And how do you teach people the 15 core behaviors and help them measure their emotional quotient so that they have mm. a language from which to establish self-awareness. And then that leads, of course, to better self-perception and then better interpersonal skills, decision-making, and stress tolerance. So, you know, there is a language around mindfulness and there is a, you know, a, an operating model 
um, that you have to be familiar with, and that is being able to quiet your brain. So how do you start giving people a sense of ownership and accountability for their own mind? Mm. Yeah, well, first I have to say thank you for saying quiet your mind instead of clear your mind. That's, that's what so many people think meditation is supposed to do. And when they sit down and they don't have this completely clear mind, then they start getting frustrated about the practice. And then they start um, believing that they cannot meditate. The, the practice is not supposed to clear your mind. It is supposed to calm your mind. And the analogy that I use, if you will, it's kind of if you envision a lake that it is completely calm, but on the, on the surface of the lake are leaves and some sticks. And underneath that surface is a whole lot of silt that has been stirred up. Well, when you start to meditate, you calm that lake even further. Then you take like a rake across the top and you kind of clear the leaves, you clear the sticks, which disrupts the lake a little bit, right? So your mind gets disrupted. And so some silt gets stirred up a little bit. But then when you continue to meditate, you come back to the meditation itself. You come back to whatever your anchor is. That anchor could be your, your breath. It could be a mantra. It could be a body scan. Then that silt starts to settle back down to the bottom of the lake. And now you've got this clear water. But it's not completely clear. It's calm, which is what we were, we're wanting to do. We're wanting to calm our mind. Um, and, and as far as the, the personal accountability, um, it's, it is another analogy for me is much like going to the gym. Um, so many people meditate or try to do some type of breath work in the instance that they're starting to get stressed out. And that's like going to the gym and saying, Oh, you know what? I have a, a marathon that I have to run tomorrow. I should try to run 15 miles on the treadmill today. And that's not going to, that's not going to get you there. You need to, work up to that. You need to start doing some small work when you're not in that stressed out situation and start doing some breath work, some short meditations and work your way up to where you built up your resilience and your focus and your ability to respond versus react. And when you know that's what you're working toward, it's just like you're working toward your goal of running the marathon, or maybe you're working toward your goal of looking fitter in the mirror or losing some weight on the scale or whatever your goal is physically, you're, you've got to work toward that goal and that keeps you accountable. But you're, it's not going to be this magic pill. Hey, you, you start meditating today and suddenly you are walking through this blissful life tomorrow. I mean, even after years of meditation, you're not always going to be blissful. You're still going to get anxious. You're still going to get stressed but it changes your relationship with anxiety and changes your relationship with stress and it changes your relationship with all the emotions that you feel. You actually are more aware of the emotions and rather than pushing against them, you can say, okay, what am I feeling? I'm feeling X, Y, or Z. Okay. Why am I feeling X, Y, or Z? Oh, because I have a million things on my plate. Of course I feel this way. And then you can accept it and move forward rather than pushing against it, which as, as the three of us know, that never works. So I think the accountability piece is, you know what it is you want to get to and how it is you want to feel eventually, but you have to start working on it today. I love, love, love that, John. Um, you know, a lot of thoughts going through my head and I love your analogies 
um, how you're sharing it to paint a picture uh, for not only myself, but for the audience as well. Um, you know, the use or lose piece, um, I, I love it that you shared that. It, yeah, you know, I was telling Kat, yeah, I got the Calm app. Um, you know, it's one of the many tools I received from Walter Reed, but I'll be honest yeah. with you, it's not, I open it up every day. I'm kind of like in the same boat. Like if all of a sudden I do find that time to go through and spend that time on myself, then I'll get to it. Um, but it is a use yeah. or lose. I really believe that. You can't just go out there and go, I got to run a marathon tomorrow. <laughs> Expect to be, <laughs> to want right. to accomplish it, but get through it. And then three, to recover from it. Ain't going to happen. That's uh, it's all too well. One of the things that we talk about with a lot of our audiences and, and coaching um, is, you know, and this is what it just I share with from my experience, you know, having the best of everything, especially at a tier one organization, you know, uh, or command. It's you got the best weapons, you got the best tools, you're operating at the highest level, you got the best skydivers that are teaching you, but we don't get trust, we don't get taught on the brain. And when you talk mm-hmm. about use or lose, especially with, you know, apps like Calm uh, and mindfulness and meditation, um, that's not part of our culture. And I wish it would have been. Um, yeah, I just want to make a comment on that. So, so John, you probably don't know about this, but I worked for several different um, commandants uh, and uh, senior officers for the Center for Steel and SWIC and, you know, all the way up to the Pentagon helping them understand the importance uh, of positive psychology and the idea of well-being through the ideas of what you share, uh, mindfulness. And what was fascinating to me is over the years, I met individual warriors. For example, I worked with uh, a fighter pilot uh, who had found meditation a core practice long before anybody even understood what it was. And what really blows my mind is with all the work I've done helping pick assaulters and snipers and getting the military's elite warriors in shape mentally to go, you know, into wherever they're going, they wanted it quick and easy and self-maintainable. And mm-hmm. for me, that was you have to understand and be self-aware to engage yourself to have that grit and resilience that you talk about. And I think once people discover it, they get it. Um, And I'm sure all those uh, people that are listening right now, especially from our law enforcement community, are saying, I keep hearing this, I keep hearing this. How do I get started? Right. Yeah, I I mean... Again, coming back to the, the gym analogy, if you will, um, we, we don't go into the gym expecting to, to bench press 350 pounds. Well, maybe Matthew can. Matthew might be able to bench press a lot more than I can, but, but when, we don't go into when the gym. Matthew in the gym. Well, we don't go into the gym expecting to be able to do, you know, 40 pull-ups or be able to bench press 350 pounds or do any of these crazy things that people who've been in the gym for years can do. We go in realizing that we need to start small. So we get on the bench press and we might start with, uh, I don't know, a plate on each side and we'll work our way up. And 
uh, for some reason, we feel that meditation is, is different. And so what I tell law enforcement, what I tell first responders, healthcare workers, because I work with a lot of them, um, and, and there's always, when I, whenever I present, uh, there's always this kind of stone-cold look on their face like, oh, gosh, what is this guy going to tell me? He's not going to tell me anything different than I've heard about mindfulness meditation before. But we then, call that red uh, face. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so so they have that, and then uh, and then by the end, because of my background, um, I can relate to them, and they can relate to me, and they're like, oh, okay, so this guy, he's been through some stuff. I've been through some stuff. Let's talk, or let me listen to what he has to say, and then I will start them off with a simple box breathing exercise, which. You know, you guys probably know, but for our listeners or your listeners, you know, that's just breathing in for a count of four, holding for a count of four, breathing out for a count of four, holding for a count of four, and doing that four, five, six times. And the reason it's called a box is each one of those phases is an edge of a box, if you can imagine that. I actually sat here and drew it like you guys could see it. But anyhow, the, the box breathing is a fantastic start. And actually, when I went back to my counselor, um, after he had introduced mindfulness and meditation to me, I thought that I could jump into an hour-long meditation and sat down. I actually downloaded Insight Timer, uh, which is still an app that I, I use and, and have content on. But I, I downloaded this hour-long meditation on Insight Timer, sat down to meditate for this hour, and realized, oh, my gosh, there's no way I can make it to an hour-long meditation. I can't meditate. I went back to the doc, and I asked him what I should do. And he introduced me to box breathing. And I was like, we do that in Naval Special Warfare. We call it tactical breathing. We do some breathing like that on the shooting range. We, we go into the kill house so that we're calmer, so that our heart rate is lower, so that our respiratory rate is lower, so that our eyes aren't crazy and, and we can actually literally see more and take in more. So we're, we need to start small, start small with something like box breathing, and work your way up to more in-depth meditations, a longer duration meditations. But mindfulness is not strictly meditation. You can have a mindful conversation like we are right now. We're, we're carrying on the conversation. I don't have my computer in the background. I don't have text messages going on. I am right here listening to everything you guys are saying and listening to the question and then responding rather than halfway through the question looking for a way to respond. There's active listening. That's mindfulness. You know, having a meal and paying attention to the food that's in front of you, the colors, the shapes, the textures, the smells, that's mindfulness. There's, there's multiple levels of mindfulness. So you, if meditation isn't your thing, you can still practice mindfulness. It's a way of living. And that's, uh, that's what I always try to tell people uh, to break through to them, to kind of peel back the mysticism around. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I tell you, so much uh, good good uh, information on this there, John. Um, you know, before we go to a break here, my analogy, uh, my first psychologist after 20 years um, of active duty, and most of that was operational, um, second meeting with my first psychologist, I looked at the doc and I was like, doc, pretty much this is how I hear it, is that our brains are like NASCAR, whether you like it or not. You're taking left-hand turns at a high rate of speed. And what keeps that sexy car turning from <laughs> lightning later in a heartbeat hitting that wall of turn four? And I said, you know, it's a good pit stop crew. 
And at that time, that's when I started looking at what is a good pissed off crew? Because for a lot of us, you know, even though we don't necessarily look at it, we don't bring our work home with us. You know, we look at our family as our pissed off crew because that's where we're going to go home to relax, right? Well, the reality is when you're in on the on that racetrack at a high rate of speed, your family's in the car with you, and they're going to hit that wall or scrape that wall or whatever the incident that happens, whether it's in your own control or out of your control, um, you need to find a good pissed-off crew. And one of those pissed-off crew members needs to be a mindfulness coach. I totally believe on that. So we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, we're with John McCaskill having a great conversation. Thank you for uh, being a part of uh, Strategies for Turbulent Times. And we'll be back in a minute. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X, dot com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I've been listening to this intense conversation between, uh, you know, like two tip of the spear warriors here. I just want to add some context. Um, you know, I used to be the sultana of stress myself. Um, and I used to carry around a page with me when I traveled the world as a, a 
partner in two of the world's largest consulting companies, Computer Sciences Corporation and Accenture. And, you know, stress is something that we all carry. We carry it differently and we feel it differently. Sometimes some of us feel it in our neck, in our head, um, in our gut, uh, in our intestines. Um, you know, we have insomnia. Sometimes we even lose our hair, you know, we get skin rashes or skin irritations. Well, I ignored all these things way, way back um, from when I was uh, actually a graduate student uh, doing some work, uh, had a visit to the Congo and, you know, came back with quite a few disorders that I just ignored. And then here it is, you know, it'll be two years, February 22nd, that I've had a total uh, double mastectomy for breast cancer. And... Um, and then, of course, Matthew and I lost our house and our car and pretty much everything we owned in Sanibel and the Hurricane and have rebuilt a lot, a lot of that. So people are like, you know, how do you, how do you deal with stress? Well, all of us deal with it differently. And my belief is that every one of these late-stage illnesses that we get as we grow um, is a combination of different stress formulas that aggregate over time and just beat the hell out of your immune system. And that's one of the reasons why we are so dedicated to helping law enforcement, public safety, first responders, because they don't pay attention to those things. And they have a much shorter, excuse me, shorter lifespan. <laughs> they don't loiter. They have a shorter lifespan um, after they retire. And we have to do something about that now. And I think Matt has a little bit of a story that relates to how he woke up to that. Well, just during the break, I was sharing with John, um, you know, when, you know, being up at Walter Reed after the first psychologist I met, you know, 20 years, um, had no idea what was going on psychologically because we're fixers and doers, um, especially when you're on a racetrack trying to figure things out, getting exposure experience and, you know, being better at uh, contingency um, planning. But uh, the reality is, and this is when it hit me, I was up in Walter Reed with a couple of boys from uh, um, the Army, uh, Tier 1 uh, Command, and uh, I walked into this meeting, and I got the two guys sitting there, and I came in late because I was in another uh, meeting with another doctor. And in the middle of this table, um, this meeting, so you got the two buddies to the left, you got two doctors to the right of this table, and in the middle was this bowl of Andy's candies. And, of course... Everybody knows, you know, we love, buy, you know, to chew on an anti candy, but what's reality? We pop one in our mouth, we unwrap another one, pop another one in our mouth, we chew on it, and we swallow it. So I walk in, and I, of course, you know, being that uh, bull in a china shop sometimes, like, okay, what do we need to do? What are we here for? And nobody says anything. And I'm like, okay, this is strange. And they're literally <laughs> taking five minutes to eat one anti candy, believe it or not. And I was like, okay, I'll play your game. So I sat down and I ate mine in like three minutes, by five minutes. But at the after we got done, uh, one of the psychologists said, uh, drew two circles up on the board. And one circle to the left had being, word being in it. And the circle to the right had doing. And, of course, since I was a late guy, they said, okay, Matt, so uh, which circle are you in? I'm like, well, I'm breathing. I'm alive. I'm a part of this. I'm in the being, but I'm also a doer. I'm a fixer and I'm a doer. You know, I've been 
um, figuring it out as far as the occupation and uh, what's what's the next challenge or what's the next responsibility. So I'm a doer. They say, no, 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 no. Which circle, if you were to pick one, are you in? I was like, that's hard. Because now I'm saying I'm dead because I'm a doer in my brain. Knuckle <laughs> drag. <laughs> so they went across to the other uh, the other boys that were in that meeting. And then afterwards, uh, they, you know, gave the spiel of what actually being in the being is. Um, and they said, there's a third circle to this, this um, picture. And overlapping um, the being and the doing, they wrote the word wisdom. And I was like, holy shit. We think we're smarter. We think we're wiser. You got so much experience. You know, people depend on you. You have bigger responsibility. But we're never in the being of the moment. So are we actually wiser? And then I thought, I was like, that's why, you know, our elders seem like they're wiser because now they can't physically be out there chopping down trees, you know, manicuring their lawns. They're forced to be in the being, listening, you know, grounding themselves. And that's why they are all the wiser on how they communicate and what their knowledge is. And it's so impactful. And that's one of the biggest seeds that I've gotten feedback from the different groups I've been fortunate to be able to uh, share that with uh, throughout the nation. And uh, I'm glad to be able to share it with the audience here and you, John. I love that. I love that. Just that visual. I've got it in my mind right now. And that's, that's perfect. That's, that's a perfect explanation. And, you know, I've, I've heard it said, said it in, hey, which are you? Are you a human being or are you a human doing? And so many of us uh, tell ourselves that we're human beings, but in actuality, we're human doings. And we never stop and just take a breath to pause and get into that state of being. And quite often, to get into that state of being, you literally have to stop doing everything. Just being still. You know how hard just being still is? That's one of the things that I teach in, in our mindfulness and meditation retreats. I don't even have them meditate right off the bat. I just have them sit still, sitting still, not moving, not fidgeting for 10 minutes. And after that, they're like, that is the first time I have sat still in a decade. Um, because in today's fast moving world, we are constantly doing We're uh, you know, if there's a time when we're not doing something, what do we do? Normally, we reach for our phones. We reach for our phones and we start scrolling. Uh, the other day, I was driving my, my young daughter uh, from school to, to home. And, you know, I drive a minivan. I'm proud of that. I'm, I drive a minivan, damn it. Uh, anyway, uh, we've, got, we've, got, uh, we've got the little DVD player in there. And, you know, it's 15 minutes from school to my house. And she's like, can we watch a movie? I'm like, no, we can't. And she said, why not? I said, because we just need to be bored sometimes. And, mm -hmm. and for your listeners, like just asking yourself, when's the last time you were bored? And do you re realize the value of being bored? It's, I mean, remember growing up, I, I posted a video that I saw the other day, like 15 people sent it to me. It's this comedian on stage saying, you know, when, when we grew up, nobody mentioned the word mindfulness because we were mindful half the day because like, <laughs> we had to, we had to wait for the bus. You had to I know, I know that you're mean, on that's the bus. so hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so funny. But as funny as it was, there was so much truth to it. Like being bored, right. that in and of itself is 
a form of mindfulness. You tap into what it is you're feeling, what it is you're feeling physically and emotionally. And this day and age, whenever there's an opportunity, and I do believe it is just that, it is an opportunity to be bored. Whenever we have those opportunities to be bored, we fill that space. We fill that space with doing something. We grab our phones and we start scrolling through social media. And I'm not anti-social media. I mean, a lot of my business comes from social media, but there has to be a healthy relationship with it. There has to be a healthy relationship with all our technologies. And and we have to allow ourselves time to be bored because that is when we are in that being circle. And that's where the wisdom comes from. Brother, I love it. And, you know, that boredom thing, I was at a course out of Stanford University for uh, an innovative technologies course uh, a few years ago. And uh, who was a part of this course was all the thought leaders throughout the globe. I think out of 60-some, there's only maybe a handful from the U.S. And I was very fortunate and blessed to be a part of this course. But at the beginning, they put out an article or that article that was uh, written about how Boredom creates creativity. Well, from boredom leads to creativity. And that is a very concern. Like the aha moment was that, wow, with all this social media and all this technology and everything else, and we're always doing, 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 the next generations aren't going to be creative even though they think they are. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we have some other generations who are in revolt at the moment saying, hold on, people. You know, we have uh, we have brain acrobatics that, that we practice that help us be more creative. We use humor uh, more than doom scrolling uh, to be innovative. I get what you're saying. But, you know, in 2003, we wrote a book called Global Leader Next Generation, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, Alistair Robertson, Maya Huchan, and myself. And that book was um, a best-selling book, and we predicted five traits that would be necessary for the leaders of the future. Now, we ran around the world collecting this data from all different industries and different countries and different generations, and lo and behold, it's never been replicated. Here we are 20 years later. We're about to release a 20th anniversary edition of the book later this year, and those five traits included personal mastery. And what was Mm. personal mastery? It's a combination of emotional intelligence and mindfulness. So we have to think of what is it that this new generation that's coming up behind Generation Z um, is going to be like and teaching them these gifts of being present in the moment, realizing that that is the best gift they can give themselves is such a powerful future for us to help coach to and speak to. And John, thank you so much for contributing to this powerful and masterful way forward. What, what, how can people get a hold of you? What, what's the best way to find John? Yeah, I've, I've tried to uh, distill it down to one link. Um, and it's just johnmccaskill.com forward slash links. Uh, and that's J-O-N-M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L dot com forward slash links that has my podcast. It has my social media. It has my email. Uh, and, uh, you know, for your listeners, I'd be happy to connect with you further to further explain what mindfulness is or help you on your own journey or just connect for fun. So johnmccaskill.com forward slash links. Super. Love it. Yeah. Love any it. last words, Matthew? Uh, yeah. So John, you've been doing a lot of stuff and 
I don't even know if this question pertains to you with the mindfulness, but uh, being traveling throughout the globe, being cold, wet, miserable, and now practicing <laughs> mindfulness, what, what is your, uh, what's your favorite pair of socks? <laughs> that is a, a question I have not heard. Um, my favorite pair of socks, um, shoot, what are they? The, the ones that um, something wool, I forget what they're called. I, we got them in the teams. Um, the smart wool? Smart wool. Thank you. Smart yeah. wool. Yeah, I love smart wool. Awesome. I got my... I, I, actually, I had to strip <laughs> my shoes off here, and I've, I, I'm not wearing them. I'm wearing some no-name brand. <laughs> I need to get some smart wool. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go any further than the socks. So <laughs> hey, you've been an amazing guest. We've enjoyed every minute. We know our audience has too. We were going to have you back. Please go listen to Men Talking Mindfulness. We love you, John. Thanks for all you do and all of our Thank audience. You guys. We love you. We are all here for you. John, Matt, myself, tap us. Shout out to us. Tell us how we can help. Till next time. Happy Groundhog Day, oh, 2024. That's <laughs> a tawny fill. We love y'all. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Cat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. <laughs>